Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Wednesday, October 28th. We begin with a look at the rising prices at grocery stores during the pandemic. We'll get some tips from a dietitian on how to trim your household grocery bill while maintaining a healthy diet. Next, we look at changes being made by the provincial government to attract skilled professionals from abroad. We talk about the program and the importance of immigrant workers to our city with the CEO of the Calgary Catholic Immigration Society. From all season to winter and even all weather, the blast of winter last weekend may have you thinking about the best choice of tires for your car or truck. Our Dave McIver takes a look at all the options with a driving expert in a segment we call Winter Tires 101. And finally, it's a chance for the kids to dress up and have some Halloween fun at the Calgary Zoo. Back for another year, we hear the details on this weekend's Zoo Boo. 642 now and the COVID-19 pandemic has caused financial strain for many of us and while you can cut down on things like your daily coffee purchase, maybe your gym or entertainment expenses, groceries are always necessary but there are some ways to trim your grocery bills. Toronto nutrition expert Evita Basilio joins us now with some tips on cutting costs while maintaining a healthy diet. I think that's key. Good morning Evita. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, the healthy diet part, I mean, it's it's kind of sad that you can buy junk food for cheap and the healthy food is so expensive. So we're very interested on getting some ideas and tips from you on how to really keep things healthy, but maybe not spend so much at the grocery store. Absolutely. I think especially in Canada, as the number of households reporting food insecurity increased during the COVID-19 pandemic, it's important to still have access to healthy, healthy food and healthy groceries. So my advice would be first to select your grocery store and to look through flyers. So especially if you're able to, if you have access to many stores, look through flyers and you can also take the flyers to your grocery store and price match competitors flyers to uh, cash in on some deals. Um, second would be taking advantage of ugly produce. So a lot of um, <laughs> independent fruit and vegetable stores, they always have a section of produce that they can't sell either because it's, you know, it's, it doesn't look uh, the best or it might be reaching the end of its life lifestyles like fans so taking advantage of those they tend to be more affordable and then you can just cut up those fruits and vegetables freeze them use them like the vegetables for a meal prep day throw them into pan and saute or freeze your fruits and use them in smoothies or with your yogurt um things like buying generic brands instead of name brands and stocking up on sales when you can and uh, of course going meatless so plant-based meals not only great for the environment but also great for your budget and if you, whenever you can, cook from scratch and make leftovers, um, the more prepared the food is, the more it usually costs. Avita, you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, looking for the generic brands. That's one way to save. But what about maybe leaving the grocery store and going to the bulk store? Can we save money that way? Absolutely. So the bulk store is definitely great for some purchases. So the benefit of bulk stores is you can buy smaller quantities of items needed, which ends up being cheaper and produces less food waste. However, if you are shopping at bulk stores, this can be tricky because most items are sold by weight. So you might not know the final price until you're at the cashier. So I definitely recommend shopping items that are on sale or uh, certain, certain staples, which have a lower cost at the grocery store. Um, but if you're at a bulk store, Weigh the item before you buy it so you know what the price will be. A um, couple of items that I prefer to the, buy at the bulk store because they are cheaper and you can get them in a the smaller quantity are things like nuts, 
uh, chia seeds, flax seeds, coconut shreds for baking or oatmeal, grains such as quinoa, couscous, and different types of rice, popcorn kernels, spices, coffee beans, sugar, dried fruit, and even unflavored protein powder. Mm. Oh, what about the dollar store? Because, uh, you know, you hear stories sometimes of where some of that product comes from, but the food at the dollar stores, obviously they don't have fresh, but the boxed kind of staple type uh, items, is that okay to buy at the dollar store? Absolutely, especially for pantry staples, I found no discernible difference in quality at a dollar store. So items I think that are worth getting at the dollar store are things like coconut milk, the canned coconut milk, sugar, flour, rice, oats, cereal, pasta, beans, legumes, lentils, and again, spices, nuts, popcorn, cooking oil, condiments, those real those staples. They're, the brands are, there's no issue with them, there's no difference in quality, they're still nutritious. Um, so definitely shopping there is, is, is useful and it can be lower cost. Evita, you referenced flyers. Now, I don't get the physical flyers in my mailbox anymore. So I did some digging. I found, you know, more than a couple of apps and individual grocery stores. So I think it's it's probably on the consumer to, to find those flyers digitally these days, isn't it? Yes, it is. So look, so all grocery stores now have their flyers available on their website. Or you could use an app like Flip and helps you search flyers by deal, item, brand, or category to quickly find the best deals on your weekly essentials. So if you can't get the physical flyers, just look at the ones online. And then that's definitely easier, too, when you go to the grocery store and want to do some price matching. Great tips. Do you have a website or somewhere we can send our listeners to if they want to find out more info? Absolutely. Just my name.com, so evitabasilio.com. Evitabasilio.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. That is Evita, and she is a Toronto dietitian, and uh, last name is spelled B-A-S-I-L-I-O. 709 on the morning news. Alberta has announced two immigration pathways slated to attract international job creation and attract skilled professionals. The province also announced changes to the foreign worker program. Farabors Berjandian, Calgary Catholic Immigration Society's CEO, joins us now to discuss how these changes will impact local immigrants. Good morning to you, Farabors. Good morning. Uh, and uh, Yes, I think that is, uh, in brief, is actually the right decision and the right direction. I think uh, Alberta is making some adjustment into the kind of people that we want to come to Alberta. They're, going, they're asking for more entrepreneur for job creation, obviously. And also they are looking at people in a high-tech industry. I think that is uh, one area that actually has not been impacted, so there is a high demand. They're also talking about in a recent uh, international student graduate from university that they can uh, actually apply to stay on to entrepreneurship program and also provide opportunities for internationally, especially in the United States, uh, you know, high take or uh, recent graduate in business uh, uh, development that they could come to Canada and start uh, new businesses. Fairboards, they mentioned the term pathways, immigration pathways. Uh, how would you define the pathways? I think the pathway is because you've got a group of people, they come to Canada not as a permanent resident. They come either as temporary foreign workers or international students. So there are uh, provisions for them that once they finish their, uh, uh, they, when they graduate, actually they stay in Canada. So that is what they call the pathway. There are different uh, methodology to go through that phase as the Alberta nominees for the uh, basically the internet uh, for the temporary fund workers after they finish their two years and then another two years that they could become a permanent resident based on number of criteria and for international students because overall we're really attracting a lot of students international students that is good for our economy and because they already have 
you know, uh, integrated somehow in the society. So we prefer them to stay in Canada and stay in Alberta. Obviously, we are trying to create different pathway for them. When you talk about, you know, bringing students, for example, international students in and that it's good for the economy, you know, I would assume there's more to it than just the fact that they would bring money here to spend, obviously, on tuition, but just life expenses. But but then bringing those folks and, and the, the fact that they make our community that much of a better place. So it's oh, really twofold of, of a win, isn't it? Oh, definitely. I think, again, their whole idea is to get the brightest and younger people to come to Canada and especially in Alberta. Obviously, international student is one market that all countries are actually competing for market share. I mean, if you look at Australia, the numbers are probably twice as much as Canada. So Canada in the past 10 years has tried to attract more international students. And these are, again, as you mentioned, they come from different countries. They are bright people. They are young and they love to stay in Canada. So once they finish the graduate university, we need more people in Canada. So obviously they would be a good candidate to finish their student education here and stay and become mm-hmm. a full Canadian. Fair, Boris, can we put a measure on just how important immigrant workers are, not only to our nation and our province, <clears throat> but to the city of Calgary specifically? I think it is really obvious uh, when you look at, if you go to any places like uh, in, the, in the workplaces today, I mean, I was actually in a, a lab yesterday and I saw probably 80% of people working in the lab, they were immigrants. So I think it's evidence in our day-to-day life when you actually interact in the, in the street. However, I think when you look at the numbers, Canada is bringing to plan is to bring 35 350,000 immigrants into Canada that is a permanent resident plus the international student plus temporary farm workers just give you one number there are three stream of temporary farm workers coming in 2019 actually Alberta approved 38,110 uh, I think uh, process the application only for temporary farm workers and people that they come as international mobility program and also where uh, the you know work permit under the postgraduate work permit that there's another program so it is extremely important obviously with the covid we have seen a drop in arrival but i'm sure once uh, we deal with this covid hopefully it goes away then the robust economy uh, immigration will start and Alberta, actually, and Calgary in particular, becoming quite an attractive place uh, for immigrants. When you look at across the country, Calgary is the third largest, uh, I think, recipient within the major uh, major urban centres, Toronto, Vancouver, and then Calgary, which is, I think, quite quite impressive. Why is it, Fairbors? Why, why are immigrants so attracted to come to this province and to this city? What is it about it? I think in the past, probably uh, part of that was our robust economy. I mean, the oil and gas, we track a lot of engineers because of uh, the kind of engine work that we used to have. Hopefully, we're going to start having them again. But definitely, that was one of the reasons. And again, Calgary and Alberta has created a reputation. In the past, it was really about Ontario and BC and Quebec. But Alberta, in particular, in the past, I would say, 10 years, has created quite a reputation and becoming a very desirable place. Again, and when you look at it, I lived here for the past 33 years. I think it's an amazing place to be in Alberta, especially Calgary with the housing market. And uh, that's what attracts people. And the other reason is in the past 20 years, I would say that we have actually created critical mass 
for certain uh, uh, immigrants coming uh, I mean communities so once you create that critical map then uh, automatically people come so you have a Iranian community I remember 30 years 33 years ago it was only 300 people now we got eight nine thousand Iranian mm-hmm. living here so obviously when you look at that it multiplies itself I'm wondering, has the pandemic and the restrictions, which we're continuing to see lifted and people trying to get back to normal, did the pandemic affect these uh, uh, immigrant workers more so than the average Calgarian? Oh, definitely it did. Again, as Calgary Catholic Immigration Society, actually we're doing it. We just did a program and we are actually releasing a, a study on that, that I will send you a copy. Definitely it has, because when you look at the high-risk job identified by federal government, provincial government, most 80%, 70% of those people are actually either recent immigrant or refugees or temporary farm workers. I mean, look at our food processing, look at our nursing mm-hmm. homes, look at our, you know, most of the a high-risk job have been really immigrant doing that and sometimes we get a little bit of higher numbers of people tested positive uh, as uh, that are recent immigrant and that's why the reason is they are doing the high-risk job obviously uh, clearly an important discussion to have and attraction from the province to bring more skilled professionals more immigrants to here in our city and this province thank you so much for joining us this morning Fairbors. appreciate You're it welcome. thank you that is Faraborz Berjandian, who is the CEO of the Calgary Catholic Immigration Society. And our sports guy and 770 contributor Dave McIver has done a little investigating into the topic of winter tires. So here it is. Sorry to bring that sound back into your lives. Blizzard-like conditions are not due for the next couple of days or even a week. But even with the warmer weather, we know that the snowy conditions will be back, and we all want to be prepared for when we are driving in the snow and ice. I set out to find the difference between three commonly used tires on the market, the winter, the all-weather, and the all-season. Lorraine Sommerfeld is an auto columnist for Driving.ca. First, I asked her about the all-season tire, and, well, she didn't pull any punches with her opinion on using those in the winter. Okay, the all-season tire is a no-season tire. It's just for summer. So what's the difference between a winter and an all-season tire? Generally speaking, it's the compound they're made out of, and a winter tire is softer, and that is so it can adhere to the road. And it actually, as it compresses against the pavement, it melts that snow or ice and flushes it out in those deep grooves that it has, those sipes. So this happens in a nanosecond. You can't see this happen, but it's to make sure that contact has consistent contact, or sorry, the tire has consistent contact with the road, and a hard tire just won't do it. It'll just skate across it like a hockey puck. So what's the difference between a winter tire and an all-weather tire? I went to the Automobile Protections Association website, APA.ca, a website Lorraine will mention later, to see what they have found out. From what the APA has seen, these tires use a hybrid tread that manages to meet the winter tire traction requirement in snow, combining the harder compound of a more typical and conventional all-season tire. The compromise? Ice traction is not covered by the snow tire standard. On ice, the hard rubber compound of a four-season tire will not equal a dedicated winter tire. Lorraine spoke about that compromise as well. There's always something you have to hand back. Like There's always a compromise. It's the same way if you run your winter tires all summer, like a lot of people did this year, they're going to wear down far more quickly because the heat on soft compounds 
erodes them. So no matter what, you've got a compromise going on. All weathers, again, they're getting better. Um, I've got a friend that put a set on last year. He absolutely loves them on his truck. But consider where you live. So in the end, what is Lorraine's recommendation? I'm still going to recommend dedicated winters in all seasons. But the all weathers, if someone's looking at them, read the reviews, read some information. You can go to the APA site. Um, and they represent all manufacturers, not just one or two. So if you're going with a high-end all-weather tire, it's definitely something you can consider. Um, I That's the first couple of years I've recommended that after a lot of years. But winter tires, yes, 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 absolutely. The safest thing you can do in bad weather is not driving it. If you have a choice, don't go out at all, but have them. It's your safety. And honestly, that stopping distance, it can be a difference of about a third. So you picture that kid or that dog or that car pulling out that you don't hit. And in that moment, you have paid for everything that you've put out front. Whatever decision you make, let's all make sure we're safe this winter. You don't want to hear this? Or this. I'm Dave McIver for Global News Radio, 770 CHQR. Some great info there, Dave. And you know that the cost question would come from the thriftiest guy in the building. (laughs) (laughs) What did you find out when you compare cost to these different types of tires? Well, well, the first thing I found out is it's pretty tough to find the average because of all the different types of tires. So I went over to consumer.ca. They did a winter tire breakdown and the cost. Now, the prices listed that I could find on the website are suitable for compact cars like the Honda Civic, the Elantra, the Corolla. And prices are based off of uh, Canadian Tire, 1010 Tires, CalTire, TireRack.com. So the average cost of an all-season tire can cost anywhere from eighty to one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Now, winter tires are going to cost up for uh, cost eighty to two hundred and fifty dollars. Now that applies to most fifteen-inch tires. As the diameter goes up, you know, 16, 17, 18, and beyond that, the cost will okay. increase. Okay. So you know, if you paid for a winter tire that was above two hundred and fifty bucks, don't shoot the messenger. It's because that your tire uh, is a little bit bigger than the average 15-inch tire. Makes sense. I also chatted with uh, AMA, and they gave me some stats to reference as well. So about two-thirds of 1,900 AMA drivers surveyed, they do take the precaution of swapping twinner tires. That's 67%. Of the drivers that don't make the switch, three-quarters say that is due to the tires. My tires are fine. Um, and more than half, 53%, think that all-wheel drive compensates for a lack of winter rubber. And Lorraine talked about that as well. But just remember, even if your car has all-wheel drive, that does nothing for you for slowing down or cornering. It'll help you get going, but all-wheel drive does not mean you don't need winter tires. So, there you go. Good reminder. Okay, Winter Tires 101. Thank you, Dave McIver. Zoo Boo is a chance for your kiddos to dress up and have some spooky Halloween fun at the Calgary Zoo, all while supporting wildlife conservation. With the lowdown, we're joined by Allison Archambault, the zoo's director of brand and engagement. Hi, Allison. Good morning, Sue and Andrew. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is so much fun and, and really the perfect way to give kids and probably more so parents uh, a worry-free Halloween. So tell us what you got going on. Well, our partners at Service Credit Union are helping us bring back Zoo Boo. And uh, with all the things that our families have been through over the past year, a little bit of normal with an extra measure of safety precautions, I know everybody's super excited about. So uh, kiddos are encouraged to uh, dress up in their favorite zoo animal costume. You can dress as something other than the zoo. (laughs) Um, And uh, come out. So there's going to be treat stations across the zoo. 
Um, and there's going to be really cool animal-themed treat shoots that are about eight feet long um, that our volunteers are going to send down in a physically distanced sort of way. Um, but there's a photo contest, and I have it on really good authority that some of your favorite animals are going to be getting Halloween pumpkins as enrichment treats. Many people would know that Loby, our uh, hippopotamus, is celebrating a big birthday this weekend. Um, so while he might not be getting a pumpkin, I'm not quite sure, um, he is going to get a Halloween treat to celebrate his big day. That's fun. Allison, we know social distancing is so important, and you folks at the zoo take care of that because you spread it out over three days, which also gives people a ton of opportunities. But you also have to, you know, you've changed things up a bit. You have to get your tickets online. Is that right? You do. Um, there's uh, tickets still available for purchase, but you need to grab your tickets in advance. That helps us prevent the number of people um, coming in per hour so we can spread you out so that when you get to that big, long tunnel underneath the Memorial LRT, that you and your kids just uh, zip right on through um, and uh, head out for the fun. Um, when you get to the top of the ramp, you'll notice that we've done a penguin switcheroo. Um, so our kings um, and our uh, rock hoppers are outside, and our humbles have gone inside where they're more comfortable for temperature. Um, so there will be lots of opportunities to uh, spread out uh, to gather with your cohort uh, safely and enjoy some Halloween fun um, and uh, give the kids a chance to burn out some uh, big energy um, in, in beautiful weather. Mother Nature really cooperated this weekend. Absolutely. That's our one consolation prize, I think, for 2020. Uh, so let's look forward. Uh, first of all, calgaryzoo.com for folks to get online and, and get their tickets for Zoo Boo. But I know you wanted to also uh, look a little bit farther forward and give us an announcement on something else the zoo has going on. Sure. Kelly's favorite magical tradition is coming back. Olympia Trust has partnered with us to bring back zoo lights. Um, again, there's been so many things uh, in 2020 that have kind of been taken away from us. Zoo lights is back and it's better than ever. Um, we are going to have a polar wonderland on uh, the far north side of the zoo. Uh, Santa's going to be hard at work um, at his desk um, creating uh, the naughty and nice list, which mm-hmm. uh, let's hope we're all on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so kiddos won't be able to sit on Santa's lap, but they will be able to sit close enough to Santa so they can uh, they can share um, some of their plans for the holiday season. Uh, new this year is a journey through Witch House. So we have lights um, and hippos and plants and music of Africa, talking about our conservation journey through Africa and some of the work we're doing there. Uh, Max is extra magical this year, and I won't give it away, but I hear that there's a wizard um, that's going to be uh, greeting folks. And something about a flying car. Um, a flying what? A flying car, too. Oh, that need one. to get up that one, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, there's going to be some really cool photo ops uh, throughout the zoo. Um, the zoo is um, fully uh, safety aware, as usual. So our staff members will be helping you and your little Remember to uh, keep distance from other folks. As always, it's strongly encouraged to uh, wear masks or face coverings, which is great in wintertime because we can just sort of spread them all. And uh, something else um, to be uh, sharing with folks is that Sensory Sundays will be back this year. So yeah. for uh, folks who have sensory sensitivities, all of Sunday is going to be Zoo Lights Light. Um, okay. So no music, no strobes. Still awesome zoo lights, um, but uh, a little bit uh, lighter on uh, the sensory touches. And uh, for adults who are uh, looking for an opportunity to um, maybe leave the kiddos at home um, and get some time together with zoo lights, there's going to be an adult night on November 24th. There is mulled wine. There is some ice carving. Um, it's a really great opportunity, but again, you've got to purchase your tickets in advance at carryzoo.com. Good. We'll have to leave it there. Lots happening at the zoo. Thanks for your time, Allison. 
Thank you. Have a good day. That is Allison Archambault, the Calgary Zoo's Director of Brand and Engagement. All you need to know at calgaryzoo.com.